This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach Jacobs. Gentlemen, this is Preach Jacobs with the Negro League Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Go to mobetasold.bigcartel.com. Enter code Negro to save 10% on your next order. Um, this is another episode. We have two interviews. Really, really excited. Uh, first interview, we have the homie Zoe, who's doing stuff with Carmen Rogers right now. They have a tour called the Piano and Microphone Tour, and they're going to be stopping by my city, Columbia, South Carolina. To get down for the Mobile Soul Loft Sessions. You can get your tickets right now. Go to bit.ly slash loft sessions Zoe Carmen. It's one word. We'll also have the link uh, when you go into this week's episode, or you can go to all the social media stuff. You can go to Mobile Soul on, on Instagram, Mobile Soul on Facebook, or Preach Jacobs, which is my name, on all that shit. We also have, after this, we had the homie Sean Adams, who is founder of At Sean's Table, who's going to give you a different fly black culinary experience that we have doing the food for our law sessions. Really, really excited to have him. And we had a really, really great conversation. So um, I'm not going to talk long because this is an episode with two interviews in this bitch. We really appreciate you guys listening. Thank you guys so much. Love and support. And we're going to get into this Zoe right now. Peace. One, two, three. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Negro League Podcast. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. Thank you guys for listening. We are sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. Go to mobettersoul.bigcartel.com. Enter the code NEGRO to save 10%. Um, before we get started with this episode, we, we got somebody uh, on the phone line. Uh, homie for years, an amazing musician, somebody that has like a great background in, I guess, production scene, music scene, tour life, independent music life. We got the homie Zoe on the phone. What's going on, man? What up, though? What up? Man. Everything good? I'm fantastic. I can't wait to to have you come out here to, to Columbia for the Mo Better Soul Law session on May the 4th for the yes, piano sir. and microphone tour. So Yeah, man. So yeah. tell me about that idea. Like, why did y'all want to start, you and Carmen? What was the the appeal of doing something that's stripped down like that? Um, you know, we we started doing something in Atlanta every year. Uh, starting back in four, 2014 called um, Acoustic and Personal, which mm-hmm. is basically just us kind of stripping it down, but still as a full band. Like I'm on the grand piano, you know, we were doing like acoustic bass and all that kind of stuff and kind of pulling it back a little bit. And it, um, you know, became an event that one, we love to do two, we did on our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we weren't using any promoters, we like we were straight up booking it ourselves and depending on ticket sales and, mm-hmm. and it went and it kept growing every year. So we kind of took it a step further and was like, yo, let's just do it with just the two of us. And, you know, um, you know, kind of borrowing from what Prince was doing, uh, right before he passed the, the piano microphone mm-hmm. where it's just, I mean, it's literally just myself on piano, Carmen singing and, uh, you know, it's a it's an excellent dynamic in where you're able to hear exactly what she's saying. You're able to hear exactly what I'm playing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really very, very intimate, very intimate setting. We're doing it in, you know, smaller venues where, it's, you know, maybe like, shoot, 75 to about maybe 150 max. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, we kind of we kind of uh, equated to, you know, y'all just coming in and, and sitting in, uh, you know, around the piano in our living room type of thing. So, I mean, it's 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 very personal. It's very, very intimate. Um, you know, we of course, after after every show, you know, we're we're shaking hands, taking selfies, we're selling merch and all that good stuff. So, I mean, you know, you uh, you actually come up and, and, and have a conversation with us like it's 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 really dope. The response has been excellent. And um, I think, shoot, we we sold it out in maybe four or five different cities now. So that's dope, man. You know, the thing about it too, it's like I feel like people try to overthink shit. Where I feel like stripping things down, I think that's what people want now. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. back back in the day, musicians can be kind of glamorous and 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 have this disconnect with the fans, where it's like, oh, they're up there, we're down here. But I think, man, based on everything that's going on right now. You Man. want your music to be as honest as possible. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you Absolutely. Want, you Absolutely. want the flaws and, that's in it. So, and and like I think social social media has kind of done that. Like mm-hmm. that's it's really kind of leveled the playing field in a lot of ways, which is great in some ways. It's a double edged sword because it's great in some ways where it's like you know uh, artists can be very relatable and and you know very you can run into folks who are very personable and and you know it it helps you. Uh, understand and and probably ride for that person even even more um on the flip you can run into some assholes Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you know and it also gives like an uncomfortable kind of um you know with some folks kind of feel like you know they they just automatically have permission to just be you know your your homie when it's not you know it's that's not the case you know what i mean so you know it's 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 the land of barriers yeah. in 2019. Well, okay, <laughs> got to create them. So here's a question, right? So you're you're a Detroit guy. Yeah. What is it about the musical ear as far as hip hop music, black music concerned in Detroit? Mm-hmm. Is it is it just Motown or is it a little bit deeper than that? It's much deeper than that. I mean we've we've got the Motown sound, but we also I mean we also have you know you mentioned hip hop, so I mean there's 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 Dilla, there's Proof, there's M, there's Royce, mm-hmm. Finale, um, you know, all these all these guys, there's, you know, Almighty Dreadnoughts, there's Fat Killers, it's, it's a wide array, you know, going going all the way back to like Awesome Dre and and uh Detroit's most wanted and, and and all that stuff. So I mean we got the street aspect, we got the polished aspect, we've got the melodic aspect, um, you know, we've even got uh, I guess historically one of the first punk groups, which was a black group out of Detroit called Death. Oh, freaking so, I mean, out, freaking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of different musical fields, and you know, I didn't I had I didn't even touch on the jazz the jazz part. So, um, this just just so many there's so many different musical doors that are, that are open to folks that, that were, um, you know, just growing up when I did, I was born in 78. So, I mean, my mother was a Motown fanatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I heard a lot of that. I heard a lot of Motown. I heard a lot of jazz stuff from my father, um, growing up. I heard a lot of, um, I heard a lot of Jimmy. I heard a lot of blues from him, James Brown from him, Funkadelic, and you know, from from moms, you know, I heard I heard Stevie, Temptations, Smokey, um, you know, all that stuff where it was like more melodic. So I was kind of sitting in the middle, and you know, my parents really didn't give a shit if I played around in the records or not. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, I I know some parents 
you know, weren't weren't allowing that. Particularly oh, yeah. that's with not hip- happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, with hip hop coming up and them seeing, you know, DJ scratching, like, don't you scratch my record? Exactly. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, my, my parents weren't tripping. Like, they was just like, you know, as long as you're not doing that, then, you know, you good. And, you know, I ended up having a turntable in my in my bedroom growing up. And, you know, I'd be playing off the wall and Shalimar records and, you know, that type of thing and getting familiar with, um, you know, goose having goosebumps. Yeah. I remember, you know, even as a kid having, like, goosebump moments. And I didn't know what it was, you know, until – Till much later on, but you know, I was like, you know, even back then, like a music, the music hit me a certain way. Where I was just like, man, that feel, you know, that feels good. Like, why is that? Why does it feel? Why does it feel that way? And then when you're able to kind of translate it into creating music that feels that way, then that, you know, that's that's kind of the ultimate eye. What's the first thing that you saw your name in credits? Like, what was your first placement? It doesn't have to be huge, but the first time where something came through and you was like, well, shit, I, I think I can do this as a career. It was, it was, um, it was my man, John Doe, who I went to school with at Western Kentucky, DJ John Doe. Mm-hmm. And he was part of a group called Prophetics. And mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're out of Atlanta. It was John Doe, Eddie Meeks, Mellow Melanin, mm-hmm. uh, DJ and 2MC. Two, and two Actually, he and Meeks right now uh, are doing the Southern Van- Vanguard podcast. So oh, wow, okay. This, you know, they're still doing it. They're still doing their thing. But um, me and John go back to like 98. Mm-hmm. I met him and, and it was funny because um, when we were together in Bowling Green, Kentucky, going to school, we didn't really make music like that until he moved to Atlanta. And then I started making a three and a half, four hour drive to Atlanta to go, to go highlight him. And then we start making some stuff. And, um, you know, I'd had some, some beats just that I was making on my keyboard or whatever, just, you know, cause at that point baseball was, was over for me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just have a full day of, of nothing to do except make music. So I would send him down some shit and, and, you know, he hit me with the, with the, with the report and like, you know, him and Meeks and Mello would kind of go through the stuff. And they was like, yo, we want this one. And I was like, word. <laughs> All, right. All right. And so, I, you know, I gave it to him and uh, it ended up being a song called Quitters on their their high risk album. That was back in 2001. So and, so what uh, were you doing production on? Your, your first beats you were making, what were you using? Oh, shit. Um, before that, I was using a Proteus keyboard. Okay. And... I can't even remember the the make or the model of it, but it was a brother sequencer. Wow. And this was like, this was 92. Mm-hmm. This was 92. I got that. That was my first keyboard, first sequencer. And back then I was just making remakes. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing about that is like, when you're doing covers and remakes and things like that, you're really studying structure and, you know, how, how the verses land, how the hooks land, where to put a change, you know how to you know what's the climax of the song and then how to take it out yeah so it's not like no four bar loop <laughs> you know what nah, i mean it's, yeah. nah, absolutely not so like anything anything that i was feeling on the radio anything that i was feeling you know period just you know i was doing like um um my heart belongs to you by jodeci and like you know mary j's all night long remake remake um all the way to like, I think I did like nothing but the gangster by MC8. So you know what I mean? Like it was just <laughs> my my taste was all over the place, man. <laughs> that was funny because you know uh, I was having a conversation the other day because I, I work at a record store here in Columbia called Papa Jazz, and it yeah. was funny. There's a guy that came in, you know, kind of our age. You know what I mean? Late thirties, early forties, and he was like, 
He was buying the. Uh, he was about. He was about to buy MC8s. We come strapped because we had it on. Yes. On uh, on you know discount. And he thought mm-hmm. about it for a second. He was like, you know what? Now nah, I'm not going to get it because he was basically he said what I thought, and it was kind of funny. Like when that album came out, I was like 10 or 11 years old, and okay. listening to that shit now. It is mm-hmm. so fucking filthy. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like all this stuff that I grew up on, like, I found myself being an old man, like, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, like every uh-huh. sentence is, is motherfucker. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do like you borderline do, offender. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you have those sentences now? Or you look at like like because that's the thing I say to, to a lot of the, the guys our age that they shake the fist at the younger generation of hip hop guys. Uh-huh. And I'm basically like, uh-huh. man. We're not supposed to understand what these young kids are making. And and if we're honest about it, you know, the the generation prior to like Wu Tang, the <laughs> generation, they probably mm-hmm. looked at Wu Tang the way motherfuckers look at Kodak Black now. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. so was there something that was a conscious decision to try to find like of a, a lane of music that kind of still had the tendencies to appreciate those things in hip hop, but but kind of have I would guess I would say um, hip hop has a mature sound now. Like, like, like people like mm-hmm. us that that you know, motherfuckers got kids, motherfuckers got families. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. we still have those sensibilities. Like, what is your approach to? If someone hasn't heard any of your records, how would you describe mm-hmm. it to somebody about the type of music you make? Ah, oh, that's a good question. Um, when I label it in iTunes, for example, I, I under genre, I, I put just good music. Right. And you know, I feel like. You know, that's how I grew up listening to music where it was like, you know, because back, you know, back then, early 80s, mid 80s, you know, we didn't have hip hop all over the place. So we had to listen to pretty much everything, Um, which is why, you know, you find cats who are our age and you put on like a jam, like take on me and they know the set line. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) They know that joint. They get hyped up off of everybody rules the world and things like that. Oh, you know, side note, our, and, our, and shout out to uh, the, the joint you and Tay did where y'all did the uh, all the, the 80s covers. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, that's 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 a testament to that. Like, um, you know, we we um, we listen to a, a wide array of music. And, um, you know, I, I just think that was I think that that was um, I think that that's key, particularly now um, in making music and and. You know, being able to 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 um to appeal to a I guess to a wider not even a wider audience, but even like a wider age range. Mm-hmm. Um, because I I love it, man. I, I I love it when someone comes up to me and they tell me that their their kid is into what I'm making, and you know their kid is like 13, and you know then on the other hand they tell me that their father is into what I'm making. So that's you know that's um. That's perfect to me. It's like, you know, you get somebody from eight, you know, from 13 to like, you know, 65, loving what you're doing. And um, I think in the beginning, like even on like the redefinition album, when I was doing the remixes and thing like that, like I would take the I would take the cussing out mm-hmm. um, on purpose just because I was like, you know, at this point, like I don't want no boundaries. I want everybody to hear this and I don't want, you know, um, you know, you know, you know who does that? Like, uh, Cause I talked to him, I talked to him a few weeks ago. I did some records to Tall Black Guy, and mm-hmm. and he he edits all the shit. You know he, he you know like, yeah. and I don't think twice about it. Like so, I essentially like I record what I want to say, but he puts everything out pretty much clean. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And and I think he had kind of a similar approach where he's basically like, you know, 
I don't want to have to do a radio version of this too. Like somebody can pick this up and I don't have to do the work twice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And there's right. A, right. and there's a level of it where he was basically like it also when he works with MCs, he encourages them like, yo, like write something else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like try a little bit harder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so I think that approach is is pretty dope. How did um yeah. how did the foreign exchange connection happen? Um that happened through Fonte. In 05, actually, mm-hmm. um, because of the Redefinition album, he had heard through the Justice League website, mm-hmm. um, The Lawn. Where, the Lawn. You know, the oh, yeah, my on, gosh. Yeah. On, on, the, on the message boards, <laughs> right? So, yeah. um, so somebody, I don't know who posted it or who, or who put his ear on it, but I had done uh, two remixes. I did uh, Whatever You Say and The Way You Do It mm-hmm. on on redefinition big little brother fan so i did them two joints um and he heard them he liked them um and they would come to ann arbor michigan for a show little brother was so Mm -hmm. i was like i'm gonna go to the show say what's up and i'm out so Mm -hmm. went to the show show was dope after the show met fonte was like yo man you know and he was like yo i'm I know who you are. And I was like, word. And he was like, yeah, man, you know, shit is dope, whatever, whatever. We ended up exchanging information. This is like, this is September of 05. Jesus. We exchanged, exchanged information, uh, part ways. And literally in three months we were working on, I was putting out my first just visiting and he did the hook for stepping out when I remade Joe Jackson's joint. Yes. And, uh, it was crazy to me. Cause I was like, you know, he's, He's singing on the joint. I can't even remember why I asked him to do it, mm-hmm. but I did. And he was like, send it through and he sent it back. I was like, this shit is crazy. And we've was been it, working ever Was he comfortable we singing at that time? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like you can tell the difference mm-hmm. as far as like his, his, uh, you know, vocal choices and harmonies and that type of thing. But I mean, he was, it was very comfortable. And like I said, that was December of 05, right before I moved, uh, East coast to Maryland. Mm-hmm. And, um, Soon after that, he hit me to do um, If She Breaks Your Heart mm-hmm. on the Foreign Exchange's uh, Leave It All Behind album. Mm-hmm. And I knocked that out. Nicolay did the second part, the Samba part. Um, and then um, and then after that, he was like, yo, when we go out, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want you to be a part of this. I was like, you know, just let me know. And we started touring together. In November of 08, first show was in New York. And uh shit, we we've been working ever since, man. We've been working since since uh the end of two thousand five. shout out Haven't to stopped. you. Shout out to you holding the greatest secrets when like the Fonte EP just dropped out. Like <laughs> nobody knew anything was coming, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, Zo played on this. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Man. I was on all three fourths of it. Yeah, we don't we don't we don't we don't leak them. We don't leak them, we don't leak leak what we're working on. Yeah. We, we just know that we're working, but we don't leak what we're working on. As an artist, do you like that approach of of like it takes kind of not necessarily take the pressure off, but the approach is so intimate now. Where it's just like I had this theory, and it's and, and I don't know how right I am about it, but I have a D'Angelo theory with when when mm-hmm. Black Messiah came out. Like D'Angelo is my favorite. Like I think Voodoo is like my favorite record in the past thirty years. I tell people it's the, to me. I tell them it's my favorite album that's been made since I've been alive, and I think that. The way that he approached Black Messiah, he wanted to take as much anticipation out of the equation, right? Because I, I mm. talked to somebody on a Wednesday, and they said they heard D'Angelo albums coming, and it dropped that Sunday night. And, and so there was no 
No big anticipation for it. It's not like Beyonce trying to shock people and drop a record. I personally think that D'Angelo was like, look, if people don't like it, at least I didn't build up this crazy anticipation for it. You know, and of course we loved it, but I love the idea of him just being like, look, I just want to share this with people. And I see that, you know, even when, when you're looking at uh, uh, no, no News is Good News, I didn't know the album was dropping until the day before, and it, it was kind of yeah. fresh. Like, as far as approaches on how y- you would release music when you first started, maybe 15 years ago to now, what are the mm. pros and cons of the differences that you see doing shit in 2019? Man, it's, 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 it's a big contrast even between now and, like, Man Made. Mm-hmm. Um, what year was that? And we, that was 13. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was 13, where it's like, you know, you get the blogs behind it and folks are writing about it and, mm-hmm. you know, you do this big rollout and we're counting down and, you know, here's a video first and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's, um, you know, we we have a running joke where it's just like, if you're an independent musician, like, every album you drop is a surprise. <laughs> it's you straight know, up. You know what I mean? Like, straight up. Yeah, it's like, you know, whether you whether it's released or not, like, it could be out. And, you know, two weeks later, somebody's hitting you online like, yo, when you putting some out, like, nigga came out two weeks ago. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> surprise. <laughs> so, you know, anytime we release something, it's a, it's a surprise album. So it's kind of like, you know, why should we put our, our energy in this rollout? Like, here it is. Here's the link. Like, it's coming at midnight, whatever. All right. I got an interesting question for you because it's like one of my favorite follows on, on Facebook. Shout out to Nicolay. I love Nicolay's. Facebook posts and mm-hmm. and progressively over the years I feel like he gives less and less a fuck like he's like saying yeah. a lot of stuff that he really really feels so so into my my brainwave when To Pimp a Butterfly came out mm-hmm. it, when you listen to these walls absolutely I thought it was a I thought Nicolay did it without because yeah. I didn't because I didn't have the credits when I first heard it because you know I get yeah. sent shit because I write and do reviews and shit and I was like well fuck man this sounds like a, and 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 I and to me I didn't think it was far fetched because Rhapsody was on the record and I was like man Kendrick is really fucking with the people from the North Carolina Collective okay you know mm-hmm. and so when when Anderson Pack's new record came out Nicola was like yo this sounds like a foreign exchange album you know what I'm saying yeah. is there yeah. something that you feel that people from the the major the major uh, viewpoint of music, whether they're on major labels or not. I mean, because everybody is, everybody at some point they might not be like major labels like it used to be. But do mm-hmm. you hear the influence of the stuff that you've done um, with the collective of artists that you had that like y'all don't get the credit for it, and you can still be like, yeah, I know y'all motherfuckers are Little Brother fans. I know y'all motherfuckers are Foreign Exchange fans. I know y'all motherfuckers listen to Zo. Do you do you have those feelings, or 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 is it kind of like a coincidence to you? No, nah, I don't. I don't think it's really a coincidence. I think that people, I think that people are hearing it, and I think that, I think that a lot of times, if you're listening to stuff, I mean, you're going to be influenced going into the studio and make something a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, they they hearing it. They they're hearing it, and we, and we can tell. Like <laughs> we can tell. Like I'm. I've been tagged three or four times on the uh, the back album, and, and you know, and I like it. Like yeah. you know, Ventura is dope. Like it's it's Absolutely. a dope body yeah. of work from from cover to cover. Um, but I I do think I do think that um, and I've always said that that um, that indie artists set the trends. Absolutely. They they set them like we 
we we setting trends and it's and it's easy to um it's easy to kind of walk away with the influence and not kind of give the credit because you know a lot of people are not going to hear about us or haven't heard about us and you know if they hear about us later then you know then we did you know yeah. what i'm saying so yeah um but it's definitely it's 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 definitely there yeah well okay it's two, absolutely there two part question number one okay um is there uh, an artist that you would love to work with that you think that you could give give them something that that you can really hear them on that you can do well? And number two, is there an artist that you were surprised that was a fan of your work? Oh, that's a good question. Um, someone I like to work with, I, I, well, I have two. Um, okay. I'm a big I'm a big big Thundercat fan, and, I, right. and you know I think that that would be. I think that that would be something special. Um, just coming from a, a, you know, I I write mainly on on keys, and you know, I think that that would be a dope a dope combination. You know, just from you know, I I just like to hear some of his ideas from a, from a keyboard perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and Faith Evans, Faith Evans is a huge. I'm a huge fan of hers. Oh wow! Uh, okay. Always always have been. And would love to do something with her. I think that would be incredible. She sounds attainable, though. The, the, you think you could like hit her up in the DM? I think so. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I think something. <laughs> I think some strings could be pulled. There, yeah. there could definitely be some some strings pulled to to kind of make. I, that I'll happen, text her. I'll text her when we get off of here. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got a number though, but you know, I, that's up. <laughs> um, let me see, folks who are fan. Um, um. I was kind of surprised that Lettucey was a fan. I didn't really? know that. Okay. Um, when we first started, I guess following, it's funny, like you follow somebody on Twitter, it's like you almost kind of kind of know them. It's, it's, it's weird how that works. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, when we started following each other on Twitter, like, and she, you know, she expressed to me that she was a fan. I was like, word? I had, you know, I had no clue. Um, uh, interesting story. Um, when I was doing, because I'm now doing like TV and, and film scoring now. Mm-hmm. So did a did a score for this documentary last year called The Takeover by the same cast that did my documentary, Digifay, mm-hmm. out of um, out of Chicago, film crew out of Chicago. Shout out to them. Um, they were commissioned to do this documentary. It was really, really dope, man. It was a, a sit-in that happened in 1968 on, on Northwestern uh, University's campus. Group of black students took over one of the administrative administration buildings and, uh, you know, demanded better, better treatment for black students. Um, you know, had a whole list of demands, everything. And, and, um, um, Daphne Maxwell Reed was one of the students. Wow. Um, for those who don't know, that's the, this is everybody, the, the light skin ain't there. The, yes. the second ain't there. Yes. Um, which, you know, it's funny cause I, <laughs> like I see folks, you know, talking about it online and, and like after doing this documentary, I've, I've grown so much. I've gotten so much respect for her and, you know, what she did and her part and all that kind of like, she's incredible, man. So we're at the takeover screening in, uh, you know, in Chicago and, you know, a lot of the, the, the former students that were actually at the sitting were there and sitting were there and all that kind of stuff and including her and, and, and her husband, Tim Reed. So get done. I oh, Wait a minute. Tim, Tim Reed is her husband? Yes. I did not fucking know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You just put yeah. my mind just there. Okay. All right. Continue. <laughs> so so we at, we had the screen. And so like the music I was doing for this documentary was basically all music 
I was making music as if I was making music in 1968. So mm-hmm. all like meters influence, mm-hmm. James Brown influence. Mm-hmm. So just a lot of just funk, funky shit um, on top of like mood stuff. So like big, you know, big like trailer sound and music and all that kind of stuff. So I was like super hyped. So they finished the documentary, this and this and that. They was like, Daphne Maxwell Reed was like, who did the music? Who was that? Who did the music? <laughs> oh, man, blah, blah, blah. So I go and meet her. She was like, that music was incredible. This and this and that. And like, she's going in. And like, she was super cool. Like, we ended up rapping for like a half hour, 45 minutes. Um, you know, she became a fan that day. And Tim Reed was, was extra cool, man. You know, we got pictures and all that. They were telling me about their son who was, um, I think he's in some position at a label shit don't, don't yeah don't get me don't get me to lie but something like that but it was like you know we gotta get you with my son like it was it was it was crazy but it was dope man because you know uh, to me to have the ear of your elders musically mm-hmm. means that you're really doing something because i mean you know they they've they've heard everybody they've heard all of our heroes yeah. at their at their you know at their peak so you know to have their ear and you know, to be able to have recreated that time and make it feel like 68 again for them. Like I was like, damn, mission, mission accomplished. That was kind of crazy. Oh my gosh. That's still pretty dope. All right. Now you don't have to drop names if you don't want to, but were there any assholes you came through where they say, don't meet your heroes? Is there any, any moments where you bumped into some people that you was a fan of and they were like, damn, you know what? I don't, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Thankfully. Good answer. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of it. I, I honestly can't think of any off the top of my head. I will tell I do have a George Clinton story. It wasn't an asshole story. It was just funny. Like I was I got one too. I was <laughs> I was seven. I think I was seven years old. Uh, I was seven years old. The house that I grew up in, um, in Southfield, Michigan, there was a our neighbor across the street from us who um, we still cool with to this day, used to work for Capitol Records. Mm-hmm. He brought George Clinton in to do this in-store at the local local record shop. And, um, you know, I'm just outside playing. And I look across the street, and this dude who I thought was like an Indian chief. <laughs> like, he's in full, he's in full garb, man. This is, <laughs> this is like, this is 84. Wow. This is 84, I believe. And so I must have been, so I had to have been six. Um, Cause he was promoting the uh, shouldn't have bit fish album, mm-hmm. and uh, my neighbor's like, "Yo, you know, come on, come on over. He want me to meet him." And I'm sitting there like, "I ain't going over there." <laughs> 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 so I ended up going over there. I knew who he was because of, you know my like I said my my parents played Parliament Funkadelic record, mm-hmm. so I knew exactly who he was. He was cool, but I, when I tell you, my man looked like he was straight off the stage with oh. the full, like everything, full hair, full the the um, the white overcoat, all of that. He had all of that on, and I met him. He was cool, and I met him again at the actual in store, and he signed a um, he signed an album cover for for me, and my mom, and I still had that joint to this day. That's dope, man. So I, I had a band here in Columbia, South Carolina, and there was a music festival out here um, called Three Rivers, and my band opened up for them. And so where I wouldn't say backstage, but it's like a back outside thing because it's an outside festival and shit. So I have a picture with me and George Clinton and everything, and uh-huh. and my man, I swear to God, had a 
you know how you put a pin on the back of your ear or something like that? Well, yeah, he had a crack pipe. So, I'm, yep. So, yeah. so there's, there's that, that too. Now, by you, he so so. <laughs> So who who he is now is totally different because he came to Columbia a couple of years ago. And he looks like somebody's uncle. So he doesn't because yes. when I saw him, he had different colors in his hair. He was wearing yep. like lugs boots, which totally looked outdated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Side note, I have a I have a nigga theory. My theory okay. is this: anytime you bump into, anytime you bump into a black guy, the older the fashion that they're wearing, the more dangerous they were. Because oh, that, absolutely. Because that means that was what was hot when they went to prison. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. So, <laughs> if you see a nigga today with lugs on, bro, dog, he's a murderer. Bro. He just got yeah, out. Just, yo, just yeah, just give him a dab or give him a pound and just keep him. Yo, moving, I'm gonna tell just you. I'm gonna tell you. There's a show out here. Shout out to MOP. MOP was out here. I interviewed him for a newspaper out here that I write for. And after the show, little fame was hugging up on some girl or whatever. And like he's like meeting everybody in the back or whatever. And Lil Fame, I said what up to him. Lil Fame had on a Fubu shirt and <laughs> and a South Pole jacket. Oh, uh, what this, was this? This is a couple of years ago. This is like 2017, <laughs> 2016. I was like, do not fuck with Lil Fame. <laughs> like, yo, don't fuck with Lil Fame. Like, if you <laughs> so yeah, if you got the South Pole on at yo, 17, bro. Yo, dog, don't fuck with Fame. So yeah. Yeah. So, so that's my yeah. theory. If you see somebody with Carl Kanai, run the other way. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, especially if it's like crispy. Especially Absolutely. Like, if it's like brand new. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like, yeah, nah. he don't give a fuck. Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just got out. So um Yeah, he's not scared to go back. <laughs> so I guess uh I guess this is it. So like anything you guys are recording now that you're doing this tour, is there, is there any new projects that you or Carmen are working on now? Um, well, I am working on my new album currently. Oh. Um yeah, so we, yeah, yeah. Any any we, any names featured on here that you can mention now? I I can't I can't just yet. <laughs> I can't just yet. Damn! <laughs> I know you gotta. I know you gotta ask. I know you gotta ask. But I can't. I, yeah, I you, can't you gotta do the Russell Westbrook next question, please. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So are you are yeah. you a Pistons fan? Absolutely. All right. We, so we, so y'all getting swept we, in it? Did it bother you at all, or you just knew that the team? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, we you know we we look like. We look like me and you was playing against they starting five. <laughs> right. That's how that's how we look. Like <laughs> and it was funny because I was I was home. Um I went home last week. Um and so we, you know, we sitting there watching the game and I mean, like, you know, my mom's getting up from the table, she left. <laughs> it's like, man, he, and you know, it was funny because like I'm seeing, you know, we got the new stadium and that was the first couple playoff games in the new stadium. And, you know, they're talking about it being a sellout, and I'm just sitting there like y'all happy about the sellout while we getting our asses whooped in front of half of Detroit. So, so are, are you happy with the Blake Griffin trade? Do you like him being in Detroit? Uh, I do. Yeah, I I I do. It's funny because the Pistons was acting like they couldn't play a lick mm. without him being in the game. Mm. Uh, I do think either he or Drummond are won't be there next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know which I don't know which one, but they're probably going to eliminate some of that. They're going to you know get get rid of some of that cap space. How's the Tigers doing right now? Uh, you know what? I shit, I don't know off the top of my head. They might. I think they're over five hundred, but I mean, you know. Okay. Well, 
And I guess, yeah, and I guess, I, I guess, I don't want to ask you about Stafford because I can imagine that the Lions oh, irritate man. you. Okay, well, fair enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just man. I was literally just having this conversation last night with one of my bandmates, um, because we were talking about the last time the Lions were in the playoffs, mm. which was, which I had almost forgotten. It was like like three or four years ago when we played Dallas, but before that, it was back in the. The, the the Barry days, the, the oh, Barry the Barry Sanders. Barry, oh my God, man. Oh, you know what though? That I, hurts. I'm gonna tell that you this, hurts. and this is the thing that kills me about Detroit Lions, is that your two greatest players of all time, yeah. Barry yeah, Sanders away. and yeah, and, and Megatron was like, nah, like walking away in our primes, or, or we got or yeah. even if it's not your prime, you still got a lot of game left in you because they didn't feel yeah. that the organization was uh was was handling them properly. Yeah, so the organization is not dedicated to winning. I've I've come to that conclusion. Now, um, with Barry and Megatron walking away when they did and not going to another team, that just pretty much solidified them in Detroit history. Like you know, they can they can pretty much go anywhere and have their way with Mm -hmm. with Detroit Mm -hmm. by by doing that. And it's sad to say that, but I mean, you know, that's to us a form of loyalty was like, you know what, I'm walking away from the game. I'm not going to know the team. Yeah. Like, I, you know, and it's funny because like, I think the next year I saw Barry Sanders in front of like a Jay Alexander restaurant or something like that. Man, I wanted to, I wanted to <laughs> beg that dude to come back. <laughs> how, how short was he? Was he relatively short? Yeah, he was only like five, eight, five, nine. Wow. Okay. To, to but, play uh, like that, man, you know, yeah, that was look, that man. was my favorite motherfucker growing up. Like that's the that's the great that's the, he was he's the greatest player I've seen with my two eyes. Yeah, like it's it's like my two favorite players. Like it was funny, it was running backs. I'm an Eagles fan, so I grew up on Cunningham. Simply mm-hmm. because you know we're racist. So my dad is like, "Yo, I fuck with the black quarterback. Well, what black quarterback we yeah, for?" He's like Cunningham. So I was an Eagles fan ever since. But but like when I look at somebody like Bo Jackson. Oh man, I, I, I think about you know what I think about how I compare him. I say Bill Jackson is the notorious big of the NFL. You know what I'm saying? Where Biggie only had two albums, his career was cut really short. really cut short. Mm-hmm. But but mm-hmm. in that moment of time, he hit a lot of great shit, and that's Bo. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. I don't know. We're like I don't know if we'll see any shit like that again. But but Barry I, was I, up there man. too. Bo was a Bo was a fucking he was a freak dog like. That didn't make any sense. Like yep. to see him catch catch a ball and then one run up a damn run up uh, the wall and shit. Like that that lets you know who he is right right there, just in one play. Do you remember that cartoon? It was really yes. kind of corny, but it was like, man. Yep. With him and Gretzky. Yeah, and Jordan. They were yeah. supposed to be brothers. Yeah. 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 It was really fucking strange. Yeah, I yeah, forgot I the name of it. Oh my god! Because they used to Saturday mornings. That cartoon came on. There was a, a cartoon of a Cully Culkin called Wish Kid. He had a baseball glove that he punched, wow. and he could make a wish. And then after that was was uh, uh, Inside Stuff with Amar Rashad. Oh yes, yeah, Inside <laughs> Stuff was my shit. Yo, my that god, Amar Rashad yeah. and Willow Bay. Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my shit. <sighs> Damn. I'm having like a nostalgia moment. <laughs> um, well, I ain't gonna hold you up, man. Uh, I think this is enough. We about man. I thought it was gonna be like 20 minutes. We about 40 minutes in this motherfucker. Is there anything else you want to shout out? Anything else you want to want to talk about before we get out of here? Man, just uh, let's just let's just run down the uh, let's run down May 4th real quick. So May 4th, 
in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. This is actually our first show in South Carolina as a solo entity. Like we mm-hmm. were there. Um, what was that? Thirteen. I brought you guys here for the Cola Con yes. convention. Yeah, twenty thirteen. Yeah, the hip hop comic convention, that was, and that was Fornix. Two thousand thirteen. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it matter of fact, like, I think that was like that was Carmen's second show with Fornix. So wow. we we have we have been on the road for for a little while wow. <laughs> together. That's dope, man. Yep. Well, we're happy yep. to have you guys back once again. It's the Mobile of Soul Loft Sessions. Um, Go to any of my social media stuff at Preach Shakeups, or you can go to the Negro League post when we have this up. There'll be a link to get your tickets. Enter code ZOFANS to save $5 off your shit and use that $5 to buy some merch that they're going to have at the show. It's the Piano and the Microphone Tour, extremely intimate, extremely chill out. And we have a black caterer that you guys are going to listen to later on this podcast mm-hmm. named Sean mm-hmm. at Sean's Tables. All black folks, black food, blacking in the motherfucker. My homegirl, Rachel yeah. Stewart, is doing the artwork. So, it's a really. I might have a plate. I might have a plate while I'm playing. No, he gonna he he yo he's gonna fuck you up. Like he's like insane. Like four course meal and it. shit. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, insane. He got it. He I got it. To, I need to make sure I fast before I get there. <laughs> right. Do your intermittent <laughs> fasting and shit. But yeah, yeah, man. Get my get get all my shit in that eight hour window. Dog, I'm telling you, I'm doing that now. And when you about to hit your eight hours, you look at the clock, you eat like a... <laughs> <laughs> you go, like, oh, shit, I got to finish my... I got to yeah. finish again. <laughs> Man, yeah. I've, I've got to get back into doing it consistently because I was doing it last year mm. and I was doing doing pretty well with it on the road, too. So Well, good. Yeah. Good job. Well, so, <sighs> so like, what you doing, 8 and 16? You eat for 8 and fast for 16? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I wouldn't eat until, like, noon and then finish up at 8 and then... And then uh, and then throw a prayer up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I learned like if you if you're a coffee guy, if you drink coffee that doesn't have sugar, that can kind of get you through into that noon. I'm doing one to nine, so that's my that's my eight hour window. Okay, but, okay. But, but I definitely know that my like were you doing it seven days a week or was it a few days a week? How were you doing it? I was doing it. I was doing it seven. I was doing it. I was doing it seven. No, you much better than me because I'm I'm already preparing myself because uh, Avengers Endgame starts on Thursday and I'm going to that shit at six o'clock to see the last <laughs> Avengers. So I know whatever I know I'm gonna have to do some like emotional eating afterwards because I don't yeah. I, I don't think I can handle yeah. seeing Captain America or, or Iron <laughs> Man die because <laughs> I think it's coming. <laughs> Right, right, <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm gonna be at somebody's Waffle House because the movie is like, <laughs> the movie is like three hours, and it's gonna be late as fuck when I get out. So, exactly, yeah. So maybe I should plan a little bit better so I'm not eating so terribly that day. But um, but yeah. Once again, what's your uh, social media handles? People can follow you and check you out. Everything is alphanumeric. It's zo three five. It's the no. It's a z o. The number three h r e e. The number five. I-V-E, and that's .com. That's at zo 35 for Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So get at me uh, any kind of any, anyway. Like, I, I, I do respond to folks, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty personable online. You hear Unless that, you, Faith Evans? Send my, yeah. man, <laughs> send my man a message. <laughs> get some production of your next let's album. Get, yeah, let's get some work. Let's get some work in. All right, well, this is the Negro League Podcast. I go by the name of Priest Jacobs. Thank you guys for listening. You can go to mobettersoul.bigcartel.com. We are sponsored by Mobetasoul Clothing. Enter code NEGRO to save 10% on your next order. 
Also, when you get tickets for the show for our Eventbrite pray page, I don't have the address, but you can find it on all the social media. Enter code ZOFANS to save $5. We need to sell this motherfucker out. I know we will, but y'all motherfuckers wait till the last motherfucking minute and y'all stressing uh. me out. Please don't do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't do that. Y'all, y'all motherfuckers be stressing me out. Like, I'm getting text uh. messages, people talking about they want to buy tickets at the door. We don't sell tickets at the door. <laughs> you know, like, so buy that shit now. Yeah, Please buy that now. Please, so I can pay these people that we're trying to bring to the city. <laughs> but we really, really appreciate it because we understand the independent music life, and we want you to keep making music and doing some dope shit. And hopefully, this won't be the last time you be out here. So yes, we appreciate indeed. it, man. Thank you so very much. And go in, take a nap, and drink the rest of the whatever you're drinking to feel better with all this pollen going on. Yeah, man. Fuck a pollen. <laughs> Absolutely. Fuck a pollen. <laughs> Peace, man. Peace. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Negro League Podcast. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. Thank you all for listening, all both of you. We are sponsored by Mo Better Soul. Go to mobettersoul.bigcartel.com. Enter the code NEGRO to save 10% on your next order, motherfucker. Um, have a special guest in here. Um, <laughs> with a great friend of mine. You motherfucker. Motherfucker. You're so far away from the microphone, man. Get to the microphone. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, get to the microphone. Yeah, so so great friend here, um, a community activist, uh, someone that is very, very passionate about food, and he's going to talk about what he's doing with that, and just a dope black motherfucker. So I think um, in, in, in trying to make sure we do great things for the city and, and the world as a whole, when you see somebody that's doing great stuff, you want to gravitate towards them. Been a great, great brother, uh, my homie Sean. Appreciate that. Yeah, that's what's beautiful. going on? Man, get closer to the microphone, man. Be- I just asked you what you want me to do with the mic. Put it right here. Put it right here. Right, right, right. yeah, there you go. Yes. All right. All right. There we go. We good to go. All right. I'm sorry. I don't have fancy shit where you can <laughs> where you could be ten feet away, whisper, and it still catch it. So um. So yeah, so it's really cool because before we started recording, we we actually talking about books. That's right, niggas be reading. Yes. Tell me about tell tell us about the book that you told me about a second ago. Which one? The Way of the Superior Man. Yeah, yeah. My man Stephen Hughes recommended me that on uh, Saturday. I saw him. He came over to the crib. Anytime someone recommends me a book, mm-hmm. I am almost all. That's not normal. If someone says to you, they pull out something, they're like, you need to read this book, mm-hmm. get the book. Get a picture of it, do something with the book. So I took a picture of the book, I took a look at the title, and it perfectly described where my life was. Mm-hmm. When people suggest books for you, like, usually that's a sign from God, like, you might want to pay attention to this. When I tell you this book was speaking to me to where I was, mm-hmm. I finished half the book on Sunday. I'm a third, I'm probably maybe just a little bit, uh, I'll be done with it by tomorrow. All right, well, shit. And so you gave me two books in here. The Cooking, is this Gene? Yeah, The Cooking Gene by Michael Twitty. Shout and, out to Michael. And then What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Blacker Yo. by Damon Young. Yo, yeah. Why, yeah. why are you adding more books to my queue? I mean, you know what, man? I think I think that should be the new thing with you. I'm going to tell you an idea that I have that, that maybe we could figure this out. Was that, um, you know, I've been doing the pop-up shop with the, with the Mo Better Soul clothing. But I had this other idea to do pop-up shops with black books. You know what I'm saying? Oh. You feel what I'm saying? 
So it's like, so if it's like my parents, we have a bunch of like old books in the house that we just don't read anymore. So it'll be like 1970s copy of James Baldwin books or Richard Wright books oh. that that's just there. Why are you putting this on the podcast? This I mean, is, so if a nigga steal this shit, winner. I mean, but to, to me, nobody's I, doing that right now. I'm I'm more interested in the idea of getting, and I've had some books donated to me. Shout out to the homie Jonesy, where it's just like old black books by black authors. Oh, that's wild. And you just pull up somewhere. I haven't seen that anywhere. Yeah. I haven't seen that. I've seen records. Mm-hmm. I've seen CDs. I've seen all types of stuff. I have not seen old black books. Mm-hmm. I was in London last week, my ninja. Mm-hmm. I was in London last week. They had a they had this old book that was out on some like river. Mm-hmm. I mean, old boat where you get all these books. And I was like, which one's calling to me? But none of them were black. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was going on in London, man? I had a, uh, I had to work for IT. Okay, okay, that's okay. My, that's my full time gig. But uh, I've been doing that all my life, so I'm ready. I'm ready to make some shifts into my life. So uh, gonna go into food full time soon. Well, tell tell the people um, out here about Sean's table. You've catered our uh, our Mobile Soul Law sessions. We really fucking excited about it. Tell us about the the concept and how it came to you and all that good stuff. At Sean's table is uh, it's a unique concept. It's uh, me going into your home and cooking for you. Or- now it's not unique. I mean, there are other there are a lot of personal chefs that are out there that'll come into your house and cook for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but not the way we do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, initially, when I came down to South Carolina, I'm from uh, New Jersey, Brooklyn, born and raised. But I mean, what's up? <laughs> like, I, I listened to your last show. Everything is a shout out. Like every yeah, two minutes is a shout out. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, shout out to the Brooklynites. Yeah. Shout out to the Jersey heads. Uh, when I came from Brooklyn and moved down here four years ago, I was like, I feel like there's a lot of Brooklyn swag or New York City swag with restaurants that's missing down here in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to find a spot that mimicked um, kind of what I got when we go there, when we go to some of the like exquisite or even like uh, some of the dope restaurants that are in Harlem. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, what would it be like to bring that here? But that wasn't working for me. I mm-hmm. was like, that wasn't working for me because it wasn't true to what was, in my, what was inside of my heart. What was inside of my heart was what happens in my house every mm-hmm. day. Yo, preach. In my house... Every single day is what you is what you experience the blackish. That's exactly. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, every not blackish at uh, the last law session. Last session, yeah. Every 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 dish is plated. That's dope. Every yeah. dish, like every dish, is made with love. Like that's what happens in my house. Yo, my dude, we listen to music every single night. That's beautiful. My my wife, my two kids. There's always uplighting, so it looks like it's a club. On a Monday. On a Monday. <laughs> on a Tuesday. On it don't matter. That's what's up. If if we if we get um uh chicken wings and 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 pork fried rice from the Chinese food yeah, yeah, store, yeah. we it's up lights, we it's play music. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that that all goes to the healing. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yo, what is it like to actually bring this into people's homes? So if I come cook for um, like a couple, mm-hmm. like I had a gig, a, a private party last weekend, a party at 10. It was the president of a couple of colleges. And um, they asked me to come in and do like a 10, a, a four course plate of dinner. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I don't just do the regular thing. Like I come in, like it's a show. Like you get the whole thing. Like you're seeing the flambe, you smelling the food. We bring the up lighting. We yeah. bring the music. Like you get the whole experience. Our prices are just a little bit more, but you get all of it in one, and that's what Ash Sean's table is. That's so dope. It's it's funny because we were talking about the cooking gene, and one of the things that Michael Twitty said was when they someone was asking him why is like food so important, he said because your plate 
tells the world who you are. Ooh. You, you feel what I'm saying? Why are you telling me this? <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to read it. <laughs> I'm mailing this copy to uh, to Chris Charles's mom. Shout out to Chris because uh, we were talking about this. His mom was so dope. Um, but but you know, I think there's there's that connection when we have with with black people and food that. I thought about it more that it's kind of overstated where it's like, it's not overstated enough, but it's like, you know, the idea of like, for an example, when we talk about uh, uh, black people congregating, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like back in the 60s and stuff like that, the church my mom grew up in is totally different than what it is now. Mm-hmm. And when I think about it, it's like, well, shit, when there was so much oppression and all this crazy shit going on, the church is important in the community because it's like that's one of the few places black people can come. So it's mm-hmm. not just a church, it's your community center. It's, you know, sister sister Ethel, you know, ain't got no food, so we're gonna come together. And it was like a community that was involved with it. And I think food is the same way. You know what I mean? We it, it was actually before that. Mm. Like don't forget the continent. Mm-hmm. Like we brought that issue over from the continent. Like we, you know, we may not have had our freedom, but we know we have food and we had each other. Exactly. So a lot of what we got was was, you know, even if we don't remember, even if we were born or reincarnated into slavery here in the US, it was still in our DNA. Exactly. So the collard greens and uh the yams or the yoka or yuka, whatever, like all of that comes from the continent. So even before slavery, before the church, yeah, exactly. Um, we, you know, it, all, all that stuff is is basically inside our DNA. Communal uh, living, commun- not living, um, eating. But even if we go back to the days of like, you know, after Christ ascended, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> this take guy right spiritual. here. <laughs> I'm sorry, because all, all all the spiritual. And it's so, all good. Let's go. Um, eating was a part of the community. Yeah. Eating was how the church spread. Yeah. Like, uh, and this is fitting because we just celebrated uh, Easter, mm-hmm. Resu- re- right? The resurrection of Christ. If you Jesus believe, Christ. If, if Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. <laughs> if you believe in Christianity, right, you celebrate the resurrection of the prophet Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, what happened after Christ ascended was that uh, church for three hundred years. It wasn't in a place with a steeple and four walls and things. Mm-hmm. After Christ ascended from day one, church was inside people's homes. If yeah. you read Acts in the Bible, church was in the upper room. The upper room, um, uh, where the Holy Spirit came, yeah, yeah, where the Holy Spirit came down and ascended, it was really a, a space where the upper room was a, was a combination of your living room and mm-hmm. your dining room, mm-hmm. aka that's where you ate and fellowship, mm-hmm. and that's where people met. To talk about like sharpening one another, like yo, this is what I'm dealing with this week. Exactly. Yo, what what, what y'all got? Can, can you guys contribute? It happened where people were eating on a consistent basis for 300 years. It wasn't until 300 years after Christ died, mm. the church became into like almost like the steeple thing, the where, thing that we have now, the thing that we have now. But for 300, think about it. From mm. the time Jesus died and ascended for 300 years. All the conversations that we had mm-hmm. was around the dinner table, which is interesting, right? Because when we talk about, you know, because since being a musician, we talk about how music has shifted, right? Where, where back in the day, even as a musician, where back in the day in my time, it's like, hey, buy my album, buy my CD. Now the language has changed to just stream it. So I, I'll get, I'll get paid, maybe not much, if you just stream it. And like food has taken the same type of thing. Where if you look at where my parents came from. The baby boomer era, it's like dinner at 5 p.m. every night. And so, like, we don't think about how often 
people don't sit at a fucking table anymore to eat. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Like That's right. so so like so That's like right. so like so the idea of 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 you doing at Sean's table, I think there's something important because it's intentional. You, you know what I'm saying? Listen, I didn't I never said that. Mm. I watch this. I never told you mm. that that was my intention. Mm. But how did you read my energy? Yeah. I mean that yeah. that is conveyed through everything. That is the it, the primary intent for what I do is to bring people back to the freaking table. That's dope, man. No no phones, put your phone down. Absolutely. If you're going to be in one of my restaurants that I create, ain't going to be no TVs, you're going to be talking. Word. And you're going to be enjoying yourself like me and my family do on a daily basis. Yo, preach. This is what I do. This Word. ain't just something that um I'm coming up with like a concept and I'm trying to sell this business. Mm-hmm. My ninja, this is what I do and I see it work for my family on a day-to-day basis. That's so dope, man. It's healing. Yeah, so, that's so Eating dope. Eating food and music and watching people cook and being together with no food is healing. And I learned it from my grandmother. That's what's up. I learned it from my mom and from my dad and who they got it from, which was their parents. Yeah. We took this from the continent. I'm just bringing back the stuff that we've been doing naturally. So here's, my, so here's my question, right? Like growing up in the South, or I'm growing up in the South, and you coming here... Um, I have a love-hate relationship with with the whole concept of soul food, right? Where it's like Chris Rock had this joke where he mm-hmm. said, black people are really weird is that is that us and food, you know, if your dad die from from hypertension and a heart attack from eating to, to, you know fried shit and then after the funeral we eating the same food that killed him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, but but in the south specifically, there's such a thing where we are not very, uh, we, we try to package things and make it sound better than what it is, right? So it's like, oh, everything is fried. Oh, it's soul food. But well, you know, it's lard. It's maybe not the best way to cook this. You know, does any of that come into your mind when you're preparing food for All day. us? All day. Um, but what I can control is how you deal with your balance. I got you. Life is about balance. So if you are eating soul food every day, well, Ninja, yeah, you're going to die. Yeah, right. <laughs> you but if you balance it, like, you know, have soul food on Sunday, but, like, you can have vegetables and fruit the rest of the week. Like, you can have regular water. You ain't got to drink sweet tea and Kool-Aid, like, yeah. all day long. Like, just balance. And that was something something else, too, about that, where it was basically, you know, like, I was I was seeing this uh, this this article about certain, like, inner city communities, and I see a lot of this happening in some places in Colombia where you got like a lot of communities where they're snatching grocery stores out mm-hmm. and just having dollar trees and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of people, low income people, black folks, that they're not eating produce. They're eating like stuff that's in packages mm-hmm. at the dollar store mm-hmm. because there's no there's no uh there's no grocery stores in the area or whatever. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. a lot of so I think half of it might be, you know, we just don't know any better. And another half is it, there's a lot of people that might not um, have the resources. So I think that, like, even with my family, you know, having my mom discover olive oil is a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, like, yeah. like, you know, it's it's like you, the grandparents that I grew up with. Like, this, there was really bad eating habits, but a lot of that shit was like, well, we just didn't know any better. You Correct. know what I mean? And maybe it was a little bit different then, where it wasn't as bad because my mom would tell me. They would eat, you know, the lard and shit like that, but they walked everywhere. You know what I mean? There was a sense of a community where where it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like you get in a car and drive everywhere. It was like you walked everywhere you need to go. You got exercise, you know, rural country shit. So 
I don't know. I always think that that's kind of an interesting way to try to figure well, out. Well, first how of all, to, you have to understand that was all we had at the time. Absolutely, yeah. That's not all we have now. It, that and that's the thing. But we still stuck in that mentality exactly, because yeah. it's been passed down in agreements that we make with each other that says that that's all we have, but it's not all we have. Mm-hmm. We have access to other things and fresh markets and all publics, and of course, it's going to be a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But we have more choice. But the 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 effed up part is that we think that we don't have. No choice. Yeah, that we right. gotta be stuck to having ham hocks and and crowd peas and collard greens and all that stuff is yeah. great. Mm-hmm. But anything that's that when it when it's accompanied with unbalance, yeah. unbalanced, when it's accompanied with no wisdom, mm-hmm. it 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 has the potential to be more polarized. I'm sorry, I'm using esoteric talk. That's more, all good. More polarized and, to the, to and the unbalanced side. And he's using his rap hands while he talks. Y'all I'm can't sorry. see this shit. It's all good. Like the rap I'm sorry, hands. I talk with my hands. <laughs> but so so here's my thing, man. It's it's like, is there an interest? I know we're sticking on food for a lot, but is there an interest to have something where we can kind of like? Because you know what, I haven't seen. There's tons of cookbooks or whatever, but I've never seen things for like my granny. Where it's like, hey, here's a way to kind of have these type of foods that you're used to eating. Yeah. Um, but here's a healthier way to do it. So there are a lot of people, like, I follow this one chef. His name is Darius Cook. It's like, mm-hmm. he's on this whole keto thing right now. Mm-hmm. And um, so a lot of his recipes follow that because it's what serves his life. And he wants to give that to his customers. Wonderful. Uh, I'm not on keto. You can look at me and tell. Like, <laughs> I, I, I love, well, I love him. But yeah. I'm like, you know what I'm saying? But there is a way that you can portray a lot of the foods that we ate mm. and elevate it without having like all the calories and stuff. So the food that you're going to get on May 4th, should I tell them the menu? Yeah, yeah, yeah tell them the menu. Listen, the menu on May 4th, is it May 4th or 5th? May 4th. May 4th is going to be sewer black. Okay. All right. So we having the um we having the uh, the fried fish sandwiches. Bong. Right with that with that little coleslaw. Mm-hmm. We're doing a collard green egg roll. Negger. Negger. Right, Negro. With this Hennessy sauce. <laughs> with a Hennessy this sauce. Hennessy white wine sauce that is out of bounds. But watch this. It's been made in canola oil. What? And instead of being and, and instead of the collard greens being smoked in um in pork, they've been smoked in, and I mean, they've been cooked with smoked turkey. Wow! Right, so it's just a little bit healthier, and instead of the vegetable oil or the or the lard, right, <laughs> right, you're getting turkey, and then you're also getting canola oil, which is just a little bit healthier than you know regular vegetable oil or anything else you could use. We got mac and cheese bites, oh. and then we got this collard green casserole. I'm sorry, not collard green, uh, sweet potato casserole. Shit, collard green casserole sounds I'm good sorry, too. No, 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 right, right, right. We'll come back Either to that way, one another time. It. It's I'm, a I'm sweet here. potato casserole. So you got fish. Mm. Right? Things that you normally get on a black table. Yeah, uh-huh. You got fried fish. Now, notice that my fish last time wasn't greasy. Mm. Shit was so... Oh, my God. It shit was, was so perfect, good. right? It was because the oil, the temperature, all that stuff goes into the food. But not just that. It's the intention. Like, Absolutely. when I cook... Brother, when I cook for you and I cook for my clients, mm. it's like... It's like... I cook with the intention of love, that every mm-hmm. person is going to receive love and healing. Mm-hmm. So it adds to what you're doing in the atmosphere. When you when you DJing, when you got um, you know people performing, you yeah. got you know homeboys uh, 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 loft, like all of that. That th- all of that adds to the food. And so by the time you ingest it, it's just another layer to add to everything you don't. That's add. what's up. And that person is now receiving healing because it's the intention that went to the food. You know what? It's interesting you say that because when you think about food nowadays, it's that everything is so manufactured that yep. it, it's sort of like, you know, the thing with that that uh, Henry Ford kind of created, he created the assembly line, where it's basically like, all right, well, you can actually get a job 
working in forward by just doing one thing. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to you don't have to know how to build a car. You might just have to know how to turn the screw on this one thing and that's your one thing that you do. Mm-hmm. And food kind of took that same thing where mm-hmm. it's just like as soon as food took the approach to be just this machine mechanical thing and so like the emotion with the food is usually kind of taken out of it. So it's like, you know, it's like the TV dinner concept, you know what I mean? Where it was like, mm-hmm. you know, the fifties, it was kind of like this stereotypical thing of, Oh, the stay at home mom and she cooked food. And then all of a sudden the TV dinner was like, all right, yeah. fuck cooking food. I'm yeah. going to throw this shit in the microwave. Yeah, at some point over the last, uh, Two, three thousand years, we forgot about what it's like to sit at a table mm-hmm. with no phones and freaking talk to each other. Yeah. And commune with each other. And then and then have food. Listen, my my homegirl invited me over to her house on Saturday mm-hmm. and she cooked some, it was like leftover spaghetti. It was leftover uh turkey wings. It was like something she had barbecued in a complete different state and left here. Mm-hmm. And then and then served it to us. When I tell you this was the best food that I'd ever had in my life, and it was healing to me on a day when I was at my lowest, because her intention was all energy of love that she put into the food. When she was heating it up, when she was preparing it, Mm -hmm. when she was giving it to us, it was all intention of love. And you couldn't tell me that was not a five-star meal to me. Absolutely. It was 100% healing. What happens if you're intentional about your food when you cook about it, when you you cook it? (sighs) That's what happens when I cook my food. That's, That's what happens when we come to the loft sessions or a blackish or whatever. It's like you getting all that love, but not just you. All your clients are getting it. All your customers are getting it. All your users are getting it. And then it's adding to what you already add into the atmosphere. Exactly. It's excellence on top of excellence on top of excellence. Oh. That's that Sean. The, 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 funny, the funny shit is that somebody made this post. They're talking about why is it that white people historically have invaded countries for spices but they never use them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like everything is so fucking bland. They don't know what to do with it. It's I cold. Mean. It's like a key in cipher. Uh. It's like only we. I don't, I'm not gonna say. Come that, on, come on, come on. It's like we know how to use the right spices from our continent, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So all the stuff. I'm, I mean, I'm putting in the spice of love. Mm-hmm. But then you know, if we're not talking about on a high level, like on a lower level, like I know exactly which spices to put in. Yeah. that's gonna touch each person. Yeah. It's key and cipher. It's like yeah. they can take it, they can rape it from us, they can, you know, yeah. take whatever from our land, but they're not gonna be able to produce yeah, the they same could, They can put as many raisins in the potato salad as they want. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm not doing <laughs> it. So outside of your, your passion for food and for cooking, what else are you doing in the community? Because uh you're pretty plugged in with anything art art wise. Uh, shucks. So you know I was I was dealing with Axel. Mm-hmm. We ain't even had this conversation yet. I should have told you offline. Uh oh, okay. So I stepped down from Axel. Okay. I am no longer the chairperson of Axel, but I'm still working on the NAACP. Okay. I work with them as like a, a voice on the council of the NAACP for Columbia. But I'm not doing the mentoring aspect anymore. Not directly. Not the way I was used to doing it. I am building an empire right now with Ash on the Table. Mm-hmm. Mark my words. Like, this thing will be worldwide, how we do this. And included with that, at some point, is going to be a mentoring organization for high school students. That's dope. So watch this. The dinner I did, I was mm-hmm. telling you about, I did a 10-part, uh, t- uh, four-course four dinner for some presidents of some local colleges. Mm-hmm. My sous chef was a local freshman from Richland Northeast. Wow. Young okay. black girl. All my chefs, all my sous chefs are young black girls. 
That's dope. So I, that's who I employ. That's who I pay. That's what's up. That's who I'm with. Young black girls who are interested in the color in the culinary profession. But so eventually that will turn into an entire um, entire mentoring aspect, not just culinary because I like to mentor the whole person. But that's part of the reason why I got got out of NAACP or got out of AXO mm-hmm. was so that I could focus on um, doing things without string attached, the way uh-huh. I want to do them, like mentoring the whole person. That's interesting you say that because it's like you know a few years ago. I I joke with people. I I tried to run for city council, and I told people I didn't run for city council. I kind of power walked. Um, here's here's what I'm getting to. The point I'm getting to is that number one, I had no intention or any expectation of winning the race. That wasn't my my thing. What I wanted to do was basically because I was really inspired by people like Killer Mike, where the idea was like you can be in hip hop culture and be politically active. And so the idea was it's not about winning a seat. It's about saying. To 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 politicians and to a community, yo, hip hop people or people within my community, they have a voice, and y'all gonna have to talk to us. You know what I mean? Y'all gonna mm-hmm. have to holler at us. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so and so, when people ask me why I dropped out of the race, I told them this. I said I felt like I can do more as an artist with political influence than being a politician that's an artist. You, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I was scared that like, I'd be on some like debate shit and somebody's going to pull out some old lyrics from one of my songs. And you said something about the pussy. You know what I mean? And I was like, it was delicious. You know what I mean? So like, there was like this fear of, of you know, I want to be able to help the community. I want to be able to be a voice of my people. But knowing that there's ways of doing that that's not traditional or, or, or not, you know, uh, a, a way that somebody else would sure. do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I think that... Everything that I know about you, you there's an intention of being black and, and being supportive of people that look like you. Absolutely. And sometimes you have to step away from the traditional ways of certain places to be able to be as effective as you think you could possibly be. Absolutely. You know? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what's up. I think I think that's dope, man. I think um I think we're finding new ways to be purposely and intentionally and deliberately black. Yes, you know what I mean. Yes, and, and, I, and I think and I think that's 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 something really powerful because let me push pause on yeah, it for a let's second. Do it. So your last podcast was uh, with Heather Jeter. Yeah, what up, Heather? Right? Hey, Heather. So uh, I listened to it, mm-hmm. and I was like, I listened to the whole thing, mm-hmm. and I was like, Yo, there's no reason because I. When I look at people, I look at the best in people. Mm. Like, I, I cannot have a conversation with someone and not look at the best in them. So when I see her, I see millionaire, like, all the yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So I was listening to your podcast. I was like, yo, why don't I have a Heather, G- Heather Michelle in my house? Mm. So I called her up yesterday. I said, that painting that was hanging in Eric's house. What? From your last yeah. law session. You copping? I said, bring it over. Oh. Me and my wife are gonna pay for it. I don't know how, but we're gonna pay for it. Listen, we sell some crack, man. She bought it over. It's the it's the one with the the yeah the, the hair. Fro- yeah, yeah. yeah, it is now sitting in my dining room. Look at that, man. And See, I and I and I, and I, and I so not only did we give her the money for it, I asked her yeah, what's it worth. She yeah. gave, told me what it was worth. Pay for it. You remember the episode of the Cosby Show where they got it wasn't the Gordon Gordon Trail. They got a um, it was Claire and Cliff Huxtable. They got, the they got a painting. Hold on, look look at my hallway right there. That's, that's it. it, yeah. That's the one. That's, that's the that's one. It, yeah. That's the way I felt yesterday. Absolutely. When I invited her over, I felt like I was like we were. Me and my wife were yeah. clearing Cliff Hustable, and we we're buying this painting from you to invest in our home. Absolutely. So we support in black business. And now when my daughters come down the stairs, yeah. the first thing they see is a Heather Michelle painting. That's so fucking dope. And it makes them feel good about being black. That's so dope, Heather. 
uh, as your your art agent, you owe me thirty percent. Oh. I'm, I'm fucking with you. I'm fucking with you. I ain't do that. No, no, no. I, it, I'm joking, but I but I but I told her before, like kind of jokingly, what I love about the the law sessions is it's it's an impromptu art session or art gallery, and I don't take no money from it because mm. to me it makes me look good to have dope art in there. Yeah. This is some of the artwork from the next show they got coming up. Um, Rachel Rachel Stewart. Yeah. Um, from yo, Rachel is fucking insane. Hopefully, I can bring her here for the show. She's out of uh, the Raleigh Durham area. What do you mean? Hopefully, I thought she was coming. Well, I'm, I'm working on. It. I'm working on. It. I mean, okay. you know, transportation is right. kind of a headache. Right, but, right, but, right. but I was there shooting a video with Chris, and I'm like, yo, nigga, I'm gonna take some shit off your wall and take it to Columbia. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah. So, so what I want, I want to be able to be like, look, even if you can't be here, or if it's difficult to be here, I can still work on your behalf. You know, you know what I mean? Dope? Your show created awareness mm. that it's important. That I have black art in my house Yo, for my daughters, for my niece absolutely. that's watching. You created awareness around it. That was one show. Mm. Imagine what happens when you do two, three, four, Yo, five, six. That's, that's the goal, and, and that's and that's the thing about it. It's, it's like here's the thing that you know, white folks make me mad when they say some shit like this, where they be like, "Well, you guys have BET. What if there was WET?" <laughs> it's like, well, first of all, you do have WET. Y'all got white TV audio. Oh, Yo, y'all got ABC, CBS, NBC. And take this drink away. Because yeah. oh, I don't. I'm oh, not saying we're gonna take a break and get show. another one. But <laughs> but the thing the thing about it was this, and this is what I tell people is that it's that. For an example, I give you an example, right? So I, I wrote a, um, I wrote an editorial for the Free Times mm-hmm. about the Captain Marvel movie, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I talked about was the woman that played Captain Marvel, Brie Larson. She made a comment about there needs to be more a women and women of color writing reviews for these comic book movies, and so mm-hmm. the comic book boy fans they got mad, they and, and they tried to um, what's the term? They tried to review bomb. And basically what they tried to do was they tried to kill the energy of the movie by saying a bunch of bad shit about it. And so what I said in the article was, I was just like, yo, you know, she didn't say anything wrong. And what I loved about the movie was it it had like a woman that was kicking ass and fucking shit up. And a lot of guys, their egos got really fragile about it. But one of the things that I said was I brought up um, what happened when Wonder Woman came out. So when Wonder Woman came out, there were theaters that were doing girls only screenings, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, hey, girls only, women only, blah, 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 blah. And so, like, these white guys would get mad, and they'd be like, well, shit, you know, what if we did a boys only screening, you know, blah, 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 blah. This isn't what equality looks like. And I'm like, yo, this is what equality looks like. Mm-hmm. Because white, straight men in America, nobody ever attacked you for being white and straight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we say Black Lives Matter... We say that because it's been proven that black lives don't matter. When mm-hmm. we say gay pride, it's because people have been uh, disenfranchised because of who they wanted to love. So, mm-hmm. so when we have these celebrations of people, it happens because at some point in time, they couldn't be happy about who they were or they were discriminated by it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so like, and so what ends up happening is that, is that when when we're intentionally black, and I have a fucking podcast called the Negro League, mm-hmm. and I had people talk to me like, you might not want to call it the Negro League, and blah 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 blah. I was like, nah, fuck that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like you can't be fragile to think that just because I'm saluting people that look like me, mm-hmm. that I'm insulting people that don't look like mm-hmm. me, and that's not the case. You know? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a conversation of um, duality. Absolutely. It's a conversation of both and, but not either or. Just because you celebrate your blackness does not mean that you're putting down anyone else that's not black. Yeah. That's an either or conversation. A both and is you get to be black and I get to enjoy whatever nationality I am too. And, so, and, and you know, another thing about this, and this is interesting, we were talking about you know things from, from the continent that we're from, is that 
Nikki Giovanni said something to me that was really, really deep. She said, the great thing about black people in America is that we're the only people that arrived here where we weren't allowed to have our customs. So when black people came to America or, or brought to America or yeah. enslaved mm-hmm. black people, mm-hmm. you know, we couldn't have our, you know, theoretically we couldn't have our traditions, we couldn't have our language, we couldn't have our cuisine, we couldn't have any of that shit. So any other, and the thing about like white folks and white people that come from different countries or have immigrant parents or grandparents, they always get frustrated because they're like, well, you know, my family was poor and they were poor in Irish, or they were poor in Italian, you know, so we didn't have anything given to us, so black people get over it. And it's like, no, nah, not necessarily, because a white, the whole Godfather is romanticism of Italian culture. Mm-hmm. The Costa Nostra is basically, hey, Italian people come to America, and we can keep our cuisine, mm-hmm. we can keep our language, mm-hmm. we can keep our traditions and our customs. There's value in that. Yeah. And so when we talk about the black contribution to America, I'm rewatching Ken Burns' documentary on jazz, and it's just like the greatest contributions to America. We got jazz, we got blues, we got hip-hop, all black shit. And it's all us trying to figure it out. Because even we talk about the continent, I don't know specifically what country my family is from in Africa. I don't know what tribe they're from. Even when I try to trace my, my ancestry, going to uh, uh, the local archives, you got plantations that have black people listed. They don't even have their names. They don't have, you know, they, they got us in there like fucking cattle. It's like three bucks, two winches, you know, one mulatto. So when I'm trying to trace my family back, I hit a wall because I'm like, I don't, they don't list us anymore. You see what I'm saying? But, but you know, what's crazy, what, well, not crazy, what's interesting is, how do I phrase this? We, we may not know exactly where we came from, Exactly which country, mm-hmm. exactly when or where, mm-hmm. but what we do know is what we had inside our DNA, and that's what, and that's what scares these motherfuckers. That despite all of that shit, we're still here. We still, we not only still here, but even though we didn't, because you, you said we didn't have our cuisine when we came over here on, on the continent. Yes, we didn't have it. But like this, but like this, I'm wrong about that. I'm not saying we didn't have it, but. It tried to be stripped from us. They tried to strip it from you us. You know what I'm saying? But you can't strip what's in your DNA. And that's... And that's, and, and that's which the, is why we were able to take the collard, whatever greens yeah, they yeah, gave us, yeah, whatever yeah. little bit of fat back yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and and, and yeah. chitlins. Exactly. Come on. And, yeah. and, and, and all that stuff yeah. that we don't yeah. really care and, for and now. Me, yeah. And let me... And, 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 that's, and you're right. And let me correct what I'm saying is that, is that it's not saying that we didn't have it. It's that the comparison to other white cultures... Nobody tried to take it away from them. So like, so like, even if you were poor and Irish and you came to the ports of New York, mm-hmm. they're like, "Get away from me, you fucking Irishman!" But nobody tried to take away their traditions and their right, customs. Right. Us, if right. they started hearing us speaking in our native tongue, they're like, "Nah, stop that shit." You have to understand mm. that we had all God power mm. before they tried to take it away from us. Mm. When they came over, we were kings. Yeah, absolutely. We were kings in the continent. We were kings in Egypt. Like, we were kings. We were godlike. Yeah. And so they weren't just trying to stay, strip away our tradition. They were try, trying to strip away our power. Yeah. What they didn't know was that we retained our power, even though it was secretive, 
through the tradition of our DNA. Inside the DNA is taking what we have in the land. So when we got over here, all we had was what they gave us, which is collard greens and the chitlins and whatever else they gave us. Mm-hmm. And we were able to make a meal from that. You don't understand. We so powerful, exactly. even though you took away, quote unquote, our, our remembrances of the mm-hmm. power, we still have it in our DNA to come together as a family. We still have it in our DNA to take whatever is in this land and make something of it for our family and feed our family with it. Like, we're powerful to, even if you take everything away, mm-hmm. our remembrances, our, remem- our memory still contains within the DNA, every atom, every freaking molecule, every particle yes. contains con- content from the continent of Africa, from our elders, from the ancestors. And so we move with a space. I don't care how much you take it away in our outer reality. You'll never be able to take it away from our inner. Absolutely. And so years later, we coming back yep. to Ash Showing's table. It's not even Sean's table. It's really, I really need to rename this bug to the continents of Africa. Because <laughs> right. that's really what I'm doing. Preach. I'm just taking what we did on the continent. Absolutely. That's all I'm doing. Yo, and, and fuck KFC for having this white man. Exactly. Am these... I screaming? Is it over? Is it too loud? No KFC. I love Zaxby's. I love KFC. I go there often. But honestly, Zaxby's been hurting my stomach lately because it's the imitation of the original. But Nothing that's original will mess up my stomach. This nigga's excited. So, so like, when I eat fried chicken yeah. from my wife, yeah. from my grandmother, from my mother, from my mother, from you, from your mama, from yeah, whoever, yeah. it don't hurt my stomach. But why does Zaxby's hurt my stomach? <laughs> I love. I used to love Zaxby's, but it hurts my stomach because all the chemicals and stuff they put in, it's yeah. not original. I'm going to tell you this. Have you heard about this shit? And I'm going to look this shit up now. There's a... So there was a there's a brand of uh, Jack Daniels that came out recently. Have you heard a story about this? No. So check this out. So... Um, let me get it. So there's a guy. So basically, Jack Daniels, same thing that I'm joking about, um, the KFC shit, is Jack Daniels had kind of a similar thing. And I laugh about KFC because they're talking about, oh, 12 herbs and, spri- and spices and all that type of shit. Man, white people don't know about no herbs and spices. Somebody at some point in time I found out to KFC a- got their stuff from somebody Absolutely. Who, who used they to talk- work for them. They talked to a slave person. Exactly. And, and wrote some shit down. Right, and now they done infused it with chemicals and stuff. So yeah. it's chemicals on top of our stuff. Okay. So check you know this out. So check this out. So here's a story about the Jack Daniels shit, so, right? Yeah. So Jack Daniels... Um, same situation where you got this guy, you got Jack Daniels shit. I did hear about yes, Jack there's Daniels. Yes, there's a guy, there's a black man yes. named Nathan Nearest Green. Yes. Was the person that basically showed these motherfuckers how to create That's the whiskey. Right. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Now, yes. now to their to the credit, Jack Daniels has acknowledged this and they and they created a brand. Matter of fact, I'm trying to figure out how we're gonna do this for the next show. They created a brand of Jack Daniels that go the money goes to his um descendants. It's called Uncle Nearest. Which is the guy name was um, was Nearest Green, and he's the guy. It's a picture of him. He's the guy wow. that showed the Jack Daniels motherfuckers. This is how y'all distill the shit. This is how y'all make this right, whiskey. You right, know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. And so, so to the credit of Jack Daniels, from what I from what I read and heard, is that you know he supported Nearest, paid him, you know, just as well as the white motherfuckers. That was it. Was no no you know. You know, I guess he couldn't treat him like shit because that motherfucker was responsible for your empire. Mm-hmm. But but there's a there's a brand of Jack Daniels mm-hmm. that's dedicated to him, and that money goes towards his family. Mm-hmm. So so at the very least, you know, when we talk about like <laughs> like a lot of bad white shit that happens that that was on the backs of black people, at least like Jack Daniels is acknowledging, all right, there's this black motherfuckers that are responsible for this shit. And mm-hmm. I wonder how many companies need to make that realization, you know what I mean? Or or be public about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
It's like all them spices and shit. Why people don't know shit about spices? Y'all be like, y'all know mayonnaise. Y'all know motherfucking mayonnaise. You know what? I got out of the competitive stage mm-hmm. where I'm no longer trying to compete with the larger companies. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer trying to compete with the Applebee's and the Olive Gardens or the Red Lobsters or the whoever else is out there. I got into the space where, fine, y'all may have done what y'all did. Jack Daniels may have copied what you copied, whatever. Mm-hmm. What can I create? That is within me to tap into my God source, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And create something that is so unique that the rest of the world don't even have it. Yeah. It don't even at that at that space, there's no one competing on your plane. Yeah. Because you're the only one who has that idea. And that's what I have with my concept with Ashawn Save. Not just the concept, but kind of where I want to go with restauranting and stuff. So there's so you eliminate the question mm-hmm. of the competition in terms of you know how other people are doing things and what they've stolen. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You may have stolen whatever. I have something so unique and it's so individual to who I am as a person, who I as who I am as a black man. That is going to be a worldwide ad- adaptation. Mm-hmm. For anyone who's white, black, Christian, Chinese, Muslim, it don't matter what it is. So now there's no competition because my idea is unique. And I think our people need to get to a place where they are producing unique ideas. When I think about you, what you're doing with the Law Session, what you're doing with Blackish, what you're doing with uh, your clothing line with Mo Better Soul and your hats, and am I? Is this your shirt? It's my shirt. You wear all right, it. all right. So I like I wear your stuff. Like I'm an IT. I just wear your stuff around my house like it's nothing, right? So everything that you're doing is really unique. There's really no real competition. When you get to that space where there's no real competition, it really doesn't matter what they stole from the continent. Yeah. It really matters what you bring, what uniqueness, what idea. Do you have that you can bring that even if they try to steal it, it doesn't matter. If someone tried to steal at Sean's table right now, they could do it, but they could never do it like me. You're right, you're right. And because of who I am and where I come from, and like um, my intention and in bringing healing through my ancestor, through the continent, where I come from, mm-hmm. like no one will ever be able to duplicate it. Yeah. So, what does it matter that they steal it? You're right. You can steal whatever, but you'll but listen, them KFC. Them Zaxby's, <laughs> them ingredients all include chemicals now right now. Yeah, yeah, none of yeah. my none of my shit is chemical. I don't have no chemicals in what my is stuff. This, what is this? What is this? I don't have any of that in my in my food. You know what you know what'd be interesting, and, and maybe this is something for you to think about, is that you have such a highly niche thing that you're doing as far as like, you know, customizing meal plans and cooking for people and doing events. I think what you should do, this is an idea. Mm-hmm. Is I don't know if it's if it's if it's something that you feel like there's a dish that you love and be like, look, look, here's a here's a, a sauce that I make that's pretty dope. Here's a rub that I can make. Here's a seasoning I can make. Mm-hmm. Has some signature shit, so the world can tr- try something that you have and sell that shit because your food is fucking amazing. Appreciate that. I I'll think about that. I don't know about the sauces. I mean, the sauces. The um, the signature like herbs and spices. Like honestly, where I'm thinking right now, mm. there would be an at Sean's table in almost every city across the entire world. Let's go. Not just nation. So you ain't gonna need to get no spices. You can just go into the restaurant and get <laughs> like, That's the space where go. I'm at right now. And that's where you're supposed to be at. Shit. All right. You don't need to buy no spices, go into the restaurant. Pay the money to go to the restaurant. You good. Fuck it. Well, I think we talked long enough. Anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to bring up? I'm good, man. I just... Uh... I'm going to fix another drink because we're going to keep talking to this motherfucker. Bro, please. <laughs> Listen, you know I'm from New York. Yeah. You know I'm from New York. Yeah. I, no one makes a bourbon and ginger ale yeah. 
in South Carolina, other than other than bourbon. Or yeah. bourbon makes some great bourbon. Shout right? out to bourbon. Shout yeah. out to bourbon because they do bourbon. Oh, we yeah. do no shout outs. Yeah, yeah. But bro, this bourbon and ginger ale right here is the perfect mixture in your house. Well, I appreciate it. That's that's the alcohol. You you the, even the put alcoholic. the lime in it. How do you know to put the lime in it? The alcoholics, uh, we, we we know our own. All right, so all right, so since you're the Brooklyn nigga here, yeah. Shout outs. What shout outs you got right now? Give, Who give, do give I you got shout outs? Shout outs. Give you shout outs. I'm gonna give a shout out to my wife because mm-hmm. my wife holds it down for my house. Even now, she's like, "You going over preacher's house? When you coming back so we can talk? <laughs> <laughs> when you coming back so we can talk?" So I'm giving a shout out to my babe, giving a shout out to my kids, mm-hmm. giving a shout out to Brooklyn, all the Brooklyn listeners, all two of y'all. About to say, or one of y'all <laughs> is your mom? Is your mom a Brooklyn my listener? Mom ain't from Brooklyn, so we ain't. Oh, <laughs> so it's zero. Zero Brooklyn listeners. Oh, my self esteem is crashed. <laughs> shout out to Bourbon. Yeah, the yeah, restaurant, yeah. Eric, my man. Like Bourbon's one of my favorite restaurants. Yeah, I, I think you. Place. I met you there. Bourbon's yeah. one of my yeah, favorite yeah, restaurants. Yeah. I don't go to a lot of places to heal. Mm. I go to Baker's. Mm-hmm. You introduced me to that too. Oh, them wings are stupid. Oh man. my god, people think that I go to a five star restaurant to, to to get my healing. I go to Baker's. Oh, I got sure. a secret for you. Right. I go to Greens on Two Notch. Greens on Two Notch, bro. Is that the place they have like all them like? Yes, right. yes, Yo, yes. Exactly that. About but listen, dog. if you go in the back, uh-huh. if you go in the back on a Saturday night, yeah. they got this pit with this dude who's. He just all he do is fried chicken and pork chops. And I tell, <laughs> listen, most people think that they gotta hand me like stuff. On, it's gotta be plated. It's got no. Uh, he hands you five pieces of fried chicken for five dollars uh, with Wonder Bread on a styrofoam plate. Uh, no parsley, uh, no nothing extra. My, when I tell I you this is the man. best chicken ever, oh my god, this is where I go to heal. All right, so we gotta go to Greens. Like here's the thing though, I went to Greens with my homeboy one night, and it was one of those like those like mind numbing experiences. Where it's just like imagine going someplace and you see like your great aunt yes. dancing like a twenty yes. year old girl yes. at the club. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you why this is healing for me. Uh, in two seconds. Because at the end of the day, that aunt who thotting it out yeah. and herself, right, she real about herself. Yeah. She like, this is who I am and yeah. I get to be me in this space. Absolutely. And nobody else is gonna complain about it. And I, I get to be fully me, wholly me. Mm-hmm. And I like to be around that energy. Oh yeah. Where people now I don't I don't know what it does to my visuals. It messes up my <laughs> visuals. Like, I don't want to see great aunt However, titties hanging. Right. <laughs> I do not want to see that. But my but my energy connects with it like you get to be you. Yeah, yeah. be you. Uh, and that's why I go there to heal. Right. As well as the bakers. I'll make a I'll make a deal with you. Next time you go to Greens and get some of that chicken, I will go with you. Just All right. let me know. Bet. It might I'm be done. this Saturday. Shit, holla at your boy. I'm yeah, down. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, down. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so you done with your shout outs? I'm uh shout out to Heather Jeter. What up, Heather? Because she she did our spain uh painting last night. Anybody else? My kids, Jada Jeremiah. I said Brooklyn. All right, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Brooklyn. Mom and dad. What's up, mom and dad? I don't know if y'all listening to this. I don't know. I hope they don't because I, I, I cussed a lot and said nigga, so I don't want them to listen to the shit I intentionally either. did not curse. I know. I heard you. I, knew I my heard mom you. and dad was listening. Yeah. And I'm a good holy boy. Listen, when I did black as fuck, I joked about it. That was, the, that was the first time ever in my life my mother heard me talk like that. <laughs> and she never heard me say like that. She talked like that again. She, my mama never hear me cuss like that in front of her again. You yeah. know what I mean? It yeah. was like, it was funny because it's like, that's that black stuff that's in you where it's just like, <laughs> I'm dropping F-bombs in front of my mom, but right. I'm acknowledging how crazy that is. 
and I'll never do it again. I'll never do it. I, I, I so never I won't do, do it now. No, no, I don't no. even drink liquor in front of my mom. All right, all like I sometimes I go, like I'll take I'll take white wine, and I feel like the worst sinner ever. All right, I'll tell you this though. I technically cussed in front of my mom today, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a real cuss word. But here's what it was, right? So like I went to visit my parents, and my parents wouldn't. You know, they ain't gonna listen to this shit. I can I can, I can say it. My dad, <laughs> he'd be so mad if you heard this. He'd be so mad if you heard this shit. But it's like I went to go visit my parents, and they went and damn. My mom called me. She's like, I saw you drive past. We, me and your dad and your sister at the gas station up the street. I was like, okay. So my dad know the people at the gas station. So my mom was like, we wait in the car for your dad to get in the car and to drive back to the house. So I drive to the gas station. I get into my dad's truck. And I'm talking to my mom. And we just talking. We're laughing. And I knew it would be funny because I'm in the driver's seat. And I knew if my dad saw me because he ain't seen me pull up, he'll wild out because be like, who the fuck is in this truck or whatever. And so we're talking. And my dad got this big old towel on the little center console <laughs> yeah. of the car. And I'm like, why you got a towel here? And I pulled the towel back. My dad got like a pistol <laughs> in the front seat of the Yo. car. And I'm like, Mom, what is going on? She started laughing. I was like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> right? This is my dad. Yeah. That when I was a kid, he would drink the wine coolers in a paper bag because he didn't want to have a he didn't want to have a bad example yeah. in front of us. Like, yeah, Dad, yeah. you're not getting fucked up on a wine cooler. You know what, <laughs> what I mean? Like, but he got a pistol in the car. Yeah, he's more, a than, more than likely he's gonna shoot he's his dick G. off. I need to like, ask him some questions. Yo, just randomly. I, I got questions. I got questions. So, like, my dad came to, the, came to the front of the car. I said, Dad, you got some gum under this uh towel? Like, no, 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 don't put it back. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my dad. Thugged out. My dad ready to catch a body. <laughs> my dad ready to catch a body. You know. Oh my God. Listen, anybody messing with my daughter, anybody messing with my wife, I know who to come to. Yeah, absolutely. To Mr. You. Jacobs. Coming Listen, to all I gotta do is bring some of that chicken. He good. <laughs> <laughs> Happen to come to the next law session. Oh my god. Carmen Rogers and you know what? Enzo. I'm gonna extend through. the invitation to my parents. My That'd mom might nice. my mom might make it out. Minimally, she'll enjoy the food. Minimally. Oh, she, yo, she'll definitely she'll Minimally. definitely love that. All right, well, I guess that's it. But uh, this is the Negro League Podcast. Go by the name of Preach Jacobs. Please go to mobetasoul.bigcartel.com. Enter the code Negro to save 10%. Why didn't on you your tell me order. about Negro when I purchased this shirt? Probably when you bought it and I had a podcast yet. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's a good excuse. But um, anywho's, <laughs> Nicole Negro will 10% on your next order. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, check out the Loft Sessions. Um, go to uh, the website once again, mobetasoul.bigcartel.com. You can also check me on all the social media stuff, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, under Preach Jacobs to get tickets to the next Loft Session. Featuring Zoe and Karma Rogers. We got some really cool shit coming soon. Um, I'll let y'all know. And... To all, both of my listeners, thank y'all so very much. Peace. Peace.